ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Monday, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds your great taste only, and I mean this, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. I want to start the program off acknowledging uh, the passing of probably one of the all-time greats in the NFL, Don Shula, the winningest coach in NFL history, led the Miami Dolphins to the league's only undefeated season. He passed away at the age of 90. Uh, The Dolphins issued a statement saying that Shula died peacefully at his home. He was the guy that was the Miami Dolphins for, what, 50 years? He as the statement said, brought the winning edge to our franchise and put the Dolphins in the city of Miami and the national sports scene. Our deepest thoughts and prayers go out to Marianne, along with his children, Dave, Donna, Sharon, Ann, and Mike. He's the GOAT. When it comes to coaches, he's got to be in the category of the GOAT. Now, I know it's thrown around a lot, And you can only have one GOAT because there's only one greatest of all time. But since we throw the word GOAT around so many times, I'll throw his name in there because he won a record 347 games, including playoff games. Throw all that in there. The Dolphins had the only perfect season in 1972. Perfect. No blemishes. 17-0. 14-7 victory over the Washington Redskins. The Super Bowl, he was a coaching legend. And when you think great coaches, you think probably Lombardi. You throw Belichick in there, and you cannot question what he has done. He has had unparalleled success winning championships. And you throw in Shula. As far as NFL coaches are concerned, can you go any deeper? Who goes on to that list? If there's a Mount Rushmore of any NFL coaches, it's Lombardi, it's Shula, and it's probably Belichick. I don't know who the fourth is. That might be something we will debate here if there is a fourth. But those three definitely make the list. And Shula passing away at 90, I mean, he he was definitely one of the most brightest minds in football. I mean, you you talk about what it takes to win in the NFL. 17-0, and 0, 1972, that's still pretty hard. It's really hard to go undefeated. And to go undefeated and win a championship in the NFL is impressive. To win a championship in the NFL is impressive. To go undefeated while doing that in the National Football League doesn't matter the era. I don't care what the era is. The NFL is the NFL. And to accomplish that, and it hasn't been replicated since the Patriots came close. If they would have won the Super Bowl, they would have been able to lay claim to that title. Sure, they won more games before they were beaten in the Super Bowl. And you acknowledge that. 
But at the end of the day, only undefeated season belongs to the Miami Dolphins. And so Don Shula passing away at the age of 90. And staying with the NFL, the NFL announcing that all of their games this season taking place in the United States. That means the four London games and the one Mexico City game would be moved stateside. They did follow that up and say that they plan on resuming the international games in 2021. That's probably the best thing to do because, honestly, I don't know what the logistics would look like to play these games overseas with the current pandemic. The travel, that would be an issue. Are you going overseas just to play in an empty stadium? And I would think the answer is no. You're not going overseas to play in an empty stadium. Plus, this allows the NFL a little bit more flexibility. Think of it. If you're trying to put together a season and you want some flexibility in your schedule and you want some flexibility on how the season's going to play out because you might start on time. You're telling everyone we're planning on playing. I mean, there are college athletic directors across the country. We're planning on playing on time. And you're saying that, and I understand why you're saying that, because you can't come out and say, yeah, we're not planning on kicking off when we're scheduled to. You absolutely don't say that. So I get it. But the NFL, they're going as business as usual right now, but they need that extra flexibility. And this will help with the scheduling because they might have to, okay, push this back a little bit. They might have to play later. They might have to play a condensed schedule. We don't know. This is still fluid. And I'm sure some states are going to be a little tighter as far as their restrictions than other states. And sure, I know a lot of you are stir crazy right now because trust me, you're not practicing social distancing uh, on some levels. And that's just a pet peeve of mine. But if we all are going to see sports, it's going to be in either a fanless variety or it's going to be in a condensed fanless variety. We're just not going to see, I don't think, large gatherings of people in football stadiums. And we'll talk more about that later. I just don't see that happening. But with the schedule, everything being stateside now, also that means they can have a little bit more diversity. I mean, they're even planning on playing on Saturdays. If college football is not there, and that's not a bad idea for the NFL. And they mean if college football's not there, not we're going to shoehorn our games in and we're going to try to muscle you out and try to take some of this real estate. It's not even that. It's if there's no college football because college football being played is different than pro football. The NFL can pull this off. It is a united league. Sure, there are individual owners and you have a commissioner and you have players but it's still under one umbrella, and they can get this done. At the end of the day, it's the NFL. It's not the Big 12. It's not the SEC. It's not the Big 10. It's not Conference USA. It's not the Mid-American Conference. It's not the Sun Belt. It's one organization, one umbrella, the NFL. And so I think they can pull this off. Schedule-wise, I don't know what it's going to look like as far as fans. I don't think fans are going to be there. If I'm wrong, we'll go with it. But I don't think fans are going to be at NFL games. Not this season. College football could be the same thing. I just don't know if you are going to be able to play college football. So the NFL is getting their schedule ready and making sure that, okay, we don't have travel. We don't travel to worry about. 
We don't have to worry about going overseas to play in front of empty stadiums. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of glad they're not doing that this year. Not for this COVID-19 pandemic issue. Not for this. The fact that I know you're trying to grow the international game, and I completely understand that. And if you've watched The Last Dance, as an aside here, if you watch The Last Dance on ESPN, you see how Michael Jordan grew the game of basketball. You see how Bird, you see how Magic, you see how that Dream Team, you see how these guys grew the game of basketball, and then Jordan grows the game of basketball, and you take that show on the road overseas at the Olympics, and you grow it further. And I can see what the NFL wants to do. They want to grow the game. They want football to be healthy. They want to see the game grow. And taking the teams across the river, across the pond, across the ocean, wherever these teams are located and whatever geographical issues they have, whatever body of water they get across to go play a football game in a different country, whatever that may be, that's a good idea. But at the same time, this allows scheduling flexibility. At, you know, I don't have those stupid 9.30 a.m. games. The times were inconsistent. I wouldn't play a game that damaged my American audience. I would work the schedule. You play later games. If you want to play later games in London, so be it. But not that late because you could have still your 1 o'clock kickoff. And I think that would help. Have that 1 o'clock kickoff. And I didn't like those early games getting up 9.30. I don't want to get up at 9.30 in the morning and watch football. Okay, okay. that's not true. That's a lie. Let's let's go ahead and call myself out on that. That's a lie. I would get up at 9.30 a.m. to watch a Bengals game. But if it's not a Bengals game, then, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll just catch the highlights. But with that said, I think they need to do themselves a uh, favor here by reworking that schedule. They'll have a year or so to work it out and try to figure out what is the best way to go. But right now, the NFL not calling off anything other than we're not going to be playing overseas. We're going to resume in 2021. It's probably the best play for them. Don't forget, you can be a part of the program, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Paul Swan with you on this Monday, May 4th, here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to this Monday, May 4th edition here on ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've been talking a lot about how conferences are starting to change their media days, change their football gatherings, and the AAC, already a leader in the group of five, I'm sorry, Power Six, Power Six, I apologize. They have also announced that they are going to have their summer kickoff and media days virtually. So they're now on top of it. They had it scheduled from July 12th to 14th in Newport, Rhode Island, but because of the concern of the pandemic, well-being of student-athletes, coaches, staff members, they have basically decided that they're going to have a virtual version. It's going to be on a date to be determined. They don't know yet. I don't know what the format's going to be, but 
it's pretty much going to, I'm sure, be a online Q&A maybe, or they're going to have someone do the questioning and it'll be a back and forth, sort of like what Conference USA has done with their televised portion of Conference USA's media days. This could be where it goes in the future. Why go to the expense, if, especially if you are a smaller conference, if you're not the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC, you're a smaller conference, especially with a geography like Conference USA, wouldn't it be better just to say, forget this thing? Let's go virtual. Let's go online, and we can have questions that way if need be. I mean, that's going to be one way to save money. Think about it. What's the value of flying Doc Holliday and player to be selected to Texas and then Marshall Media flying to Texas to ask Doc Holliday questions about the upcoming season when all that can be achieved here? And if you are not the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, you're not going to have a throng of reporters. You're not going to have a horde of reporters. They're not going to do it. I mean, Conference USA doesn't even have a, a weekly teleconference. doesn't give the media that opportunity to sit in, ask questions of the other coaches. That doesn't happen at Conference USA. But this might be the way to go. Just go virtual. To be honest, this could be – I mean, you shoot one camera. Seriously. Get your video that way. If it's more geared towards television, then you've got your video component already taken care of. If you are concerned about radio, we'll get the sound, newspaper, they'll get the quote. I mean, this could be the way to go, at least for a couple of years. I don't know. What's the whole point of having these these media days other than to generate conversation? And again, if you're not one of the major conferences like the Big Ten, ACC, SEC, uh, there's not a throng of reporters descending upon Conference USA Media Days. It might be a little bit better in the AAC, but still, this is definitely what's going to happen here for the rest of the league. Can't wait to see uh, what the plans are for, especially Conference USA MAC as well. I'm interested to see what's going on. And this continues as well because, one, the Big Ten Conference, and this is the Big Ten They've announced that they will extend the previously announced suspension of all organized team activities through June 1st. Said they're going to reevaluate again at that time. So there's basically extending it. And if you see anyone make a big move, I think it's going to be the power conferences that will make the dominoes go. But the Big Ten suspending or continuing, at least keeping it in place. And you've got Kansas State Athletic Director Gene Taylor even saying that the Big 12 is currently discussing seven, count them, seven primary options for the upcoming football season. And this came out on Friday. We didn't get a chance to, to see it for the show. But here are the plans. Take note, Mountaineer fans. Starting the season is scheduled in early September. So, okay, that's that's the positive plan. You don't want to deviate from that as far as your fan base. This is what you're telling them. You're trying to trying to put on a show. That's 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 where you start. Hey, we're going to play football. We're scheduled to play. If that changes, we'll adjust, but we're scheduled to play. Okay, that's that's that. 
Then they're starting the season in late September and ending games in December, starting the season in October and playing a conference-only schedule, starting the season in September and playing a conference-only schedule, waiting until 2021 and starting the season in January, waiting until 2021 and starting the season in March, splitting up the season with six games in the fall and six games in the spring. I'm not feeling that one. Okay. They're thinking. Let's just look at these plans. Okay. So if we get the all clear, and I don't know what that looks like, because honestly, this is going to be a virus that's going to be with us for a long time. So there's not going to be a perfect all clear. You're trying to reopen businesses at the same time. You're trying to practice good social distancing. You're trying to do everything you can because, honestly, the longer we have to stay sheltered or stay under restriction, the longer it's going to take to get this stuff back that you like. So I think that's optimistic. Start the schedule in early September. And, again, this doesn't even outline what this looks like with or without fans. I'm, I'm assuming this is without fans. Or you can push it back a few weeks. You start the season in late September. Okay. That's a fair starting point. Look, let's see what this thing looks like here. We might have to start late. Some college campuses, universities, they might be starting on time with their student populations. They might be starting later. Some of them still might be in a situation where they think they're going to have to go virtual and they're going to have to do online learning. It's going to be a grab bag, but that gives you some room. And you end the games in December. Okay, so you start in September end in December. All right, that's three months. That's late September. Or you push this back to October. Okay. Again, October gives you an opportunity to get everything in place, kind of have a, a good feel for where this is going, what it looks like, how to pull this off. And you could play a conference-only schedule. And that's going to disappoint a lot of people because you like those conference games. You sure do. But sometimes those non-conference games can be really attractive. Big-time opponents. Big matchups you don't see very often. Or you can get a 1AA opponent. Your your school may vary. But that's not a bad plan. Okay, push it back October. I get that completely. And that might be the, the compromise. If you're going to try to have this you might have to go to a conference-only schedule. I mean, think, same thing in Conference USA. And that's going to disappoint a lot of fans because you're looking forward to those non-conference games, but at the same time, do you want football or do you not want football? And so this might be one of the compromises. And I know that hurts. Those are big-time games on your non-conference schedule. I know that hurts you. But, again, these are, these are the times are different, and that's where I'll leave that. So that's not a bad plan. Then you could start the season in September. You could play in October. I mean, you could you could even start in September go, okay, we're going to play conference only. Not going to have non-conference. We're going to be able to control our schedule fully. And you'll know if you can start because, again, you're hoping that all your conference teams can play because you're going to have to coordinate that. You're just going to redo the schedule, try to make it – fit as best as you can, try to make this work. And so you could do this, 
or you could, and honestly, this might happen depending on where we're at here in a few months. You could start this season in 2021. You could start in January, okay? Right after Christmas, start of the new year, you're going to have January. You're going to start playing football. Or you could really try to wait this thing out, and you could start playing in March. You'll still have students. Hopefully students will be on campus, and so you'll have students, and you can play this schedule in March. I don't know if I like the splitting up the season. I would rather it be all in the same time frame. There's, I don't think – because what's the point? Okay, we're going to play, and then we're going to stop, and then we're going to play again. No, I would rather you figure out where you can play when you can play. And I know none of these options, other than starting the regular season on time, might sound appealing to most of you. There might be some issue here. And again, are these games going to be played without fans? And if it's going to be without fans, then you can be really flexible. This is going to be television-based. And that's great for a conference like the Big 12. You know why? Because they've got the television package where they're going to take a hit. Obviously, they're going to take a hit as far as the attendance is concerned because they're not going to have attendance. And that means alcohol sales, depending on your stadium, and concession sales, and ticket sales, and jersey sales, hat sales. You want a watered-down soda? There you go. $5, please. You're going to miss out on those opportunities. But you're going to have television money. And maybe the demand for the product is going to be pretty high, so you might have a leg up here. You might have a leg up here. But that's their plan. So that's on the table. And this could change. This all could be thrown out the door, thrown out the window. It could be jettisoned into space, since it is Star Wars Day. And we could be looking at a completely different plan. I don't think, at the end of the day, though, they know. And Gene Taylor even said this. He said, there will be many moving parts involved with a split season. And it's pretty much in the story from the Wichita Eagle implied that he thinks the idea of beginning the season in January is far-fetched. That's where he's at right now. And he even said... And it's pretty much clear he's kind of not sure why teams would start the season in September and scrub all non-conference games. Well, I'll tell you why. If you're going to start your season, you can control mostly your conference when it comes to schedule. You can control your conference schedule because you know to make this thing work, all the schools that are in your conference are playing. And if somebody's not playing, somebody can't play, you can adjust the schedule. And now you're trying to coordinate your conference schedule with everybody else's conference. Because, again, this is not the Shield. The Shield, the NFL, they control everything in the NFL. Adjust the schedule, they know. This isn't going to be a situation where... They've got to look around and see what other leagues are doing or other conferences. Instead, the NFL, here's the schedule. Here's the plan. Here's how we're going to execute the schedule. In college football, you don't have such luxuries. You can't do that. 
because you could have a non-conference foe from, say, Conference USA. And sorry, that Conference USA foe, not permitted to play. Because if that school is not playing home games, why would they play road games? Right? You're either playing or you're not. So that's why you look at this and go, okay, you might have to start early and kill all of the non-conference games because you just don't know. I don't think we're just going to have a start date that says, okay, we've got college football, here it is. Everybody's starting day one. I don't see that happening. But again, I am honest enough to tell you that I don't know because we don't know. But that's the plan right now. It's to go and try to figure out what the schedule would look like if this happens. It's sort of one of those flow charts, yes or no, and then you go and see what the options are depending on what you select. Do you want to play college football, yes or no? Okay, click yes. All right, here are the next options in the yes category. And then you go from there. I think they're just they're doing that right now with their college scheduling. And honestly, they're not the only ones that are thinking about it because FBS schools and the independent realm, they're thinking about, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because here, here's, here's what you got. BYU, Army, UMass, UConn, Liberty, New Mexico State, and you can throw in Notre Dame. So what if the conferences have to shorten the season and then all of a sudden, if you've got UMass on the schedule, UMass is out of the game. Well, we'll talk more about that when we continue. This is what they're going to come up with, or at least the independents are starting to think, well, we might get iced out of this. What are we going to do? More on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the May 4th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented this hour by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Our phone lines brought to you by Miller Lite at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. So we've been talking about what the potential schedules could look like, and there could be a push. It really depends on when college football gets back to playing college football. When the schedule will begin, will there be conference-only games? Will you be able to play a full schedule? What's this going to look like? And... If you're FBS independent right now, you're sitting there thinking, well, we might not have a schedule. And you have got schools like Notre Dame to a degree, but New Mexico State, Liberty, UConn, UMass, Army, BYU, schools like this. These are schools that might have to make some serious adjustments. So what's the plan? Here's the plan. Really, if you've got a shortened season and you've got the schools in the FBS decide to play conference games, the plan is they're going to play each other and maybe even twice. Right now, nobody knows 
but there is a plan preliminary to maybe play each other. So you could see UConn and UMass, BYU Army, Liberty, maybe New Mexico State. Throw in Notre Dame, sure. Maybe Notre Dame. This is this is good. I think this is good. Could you imagine Army playing BYU and UMass? I, I like that. And New Mexico State and you know, Army and Liberty. I'd be totally good with that. I mean, completely. You have to think of this as well. What are these schools going to do? Because honestly, it might be more sound to just play a conference schedule than play a non-conference schedule or try to cobble one together. Because if you're going to have a shortened season, then you're going to eliminate conference, non-conference games. You're going to keep conference games. But that's not a bad plan. But again, a, all this is so fluid. We, we don't know what's going to happen. We completely try to figure this out every day, and we just don't know what is going to happen. And with all of this going on, we still have to remember budgets are going to be tight. Travel is going to be an issue. You're trying to figure out what you do, how much you spend, and what kind of money are you going to get back. Because let's not kid ourselves. Some schools, the minute they say we're going to open the doors, the fans will flood in. And I don't know how you're going to social distance at some of these stadiums. And you could have limited fans. I don't see that happening this year. I don't think it's either going to be fans or no fans. And I don't think it's going to be fans. But I do leave the door open for whatever possibility. It's not a dead certain. But there's going to be a revenue hit. And, of course, travel is going to take a a big chunk out of some of that revenue as well. So you're, you're really thinking, how do we play this? And so pay cuts are going to continue. Again, more pay cuts announced. Central Michigan announcing uh, that they are going to see some pay cuts. Their athletic director, Michael Alford, taking a pay cut of 8%. The school's highest paid coaches, their football coach, basketball coach, both on the men and women's side, are going to see a base pay reduction of 6%. The athletic directors, deputy athletic directors, will receive a 2% pay cut. And that's what's happening across the country. High-paid coaches are getting pay cuts. Athletic directors sharing the burden. You're seeing presidents at some universities take pay cuts as well. I mean, Roger Goodell in the NFL, he said, yeah, I'm taking a pay cut. I'm good. We got to make this thing work. He's well paid. He can do that. There's complete difference between what Roger Goodell makes and what I make. Complete difference. But you're seeing these higher paid profile individuals taking pay cuts, either voluntarily or they were volunteered, whatever the case may be. Uh, again, we haven't heard what that's going to look like here soon. I'm, I'm sure eventually we're going to see a lot of Conference USA schools make more decisions financially. Maybe with a smaller budget, less expenses, you can get away with this further, longer than some of the bigger schools. Because, again, bigger schools weren't exactly banking that money. Big schools not banking the money. And then the argument is, we're broke. We can't pay players. We don't have enough money. We're broke. Building massive facilities and a complete 
crazy arms race and recruiting and investing in your program. And sometimes you might have to look back at what those expenditures really were and think, was it worth it? You know, what's the value here? And I think you're going to see with a lot of these pay cuts and a lot of this budgeting and a lot of this schedule changing and everything else looking down the line, and maybe this is going to be something where college athletics is going to have to redefine itself, and this might be a seismic shift, or this might just be a bump on the road when it comes to what you're budgeting, what you're spending, how you're doing it. Honestly, if you are making so much money and you're not banking it, then you have problems like this when you have budget shortfalls. I was always taught, and it's not hard to do, but it is. At the same time, I acknowledge it. Don't spend more than what you make. And that kind of means don't spend everything you make. Keep some of it back so when you have a situation, you're prepared for it. Yes, I know. Economics 101 with your host and professor, Paul Swan, giving you the breakdown of how college athletic departments should run themselves. And it's really simple. Don't spend as much as you make. I know simple, simple advice, hard to follow in practice with the rising cost of everything. And of course, the fact that you're going to have to spend because you're going to have to keep up with the Joneses. You're going to keep up with what the other schools are doing. If a school gets an upgrade facility-wise and they're a competitor of yours, oh, you get an upgrade as well. You have a practice facility and the other school doesn't, well, they got to go get one now. You see where I'm going with this? This might be definitely a change in the way college athletics operates. We're going to wrap this one up when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive with Paul Swan. Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick. He knows. Paul's the best. On ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So, are you watching The Last Dance? We talked about it earlier. If you haven't been watching that yet, you need to do that. I thought... Last night's episodes were probably the best. I thought the week before were probably the best. I thought the first two episodes were probably the best. It's just getting better and better. And I really enjoyed last night just seeing a little bit more of the, well, let's just say Chicago and Detroit didn't get along. Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan, that's a beef that continues And I think The Last Dance is really adding to that beef a little bit more. The Dream Team. I mean, that was an amazing time. The Dream Team was an amazing time in college basketball or pro basketball. College basketball was not necessarily giving the very best and brightest the Olympics, but it was just an amazing time. I mean, you had probably the greatest assembly of talent ever in a basketball team and Michael Jordan leading the way because again he was he was the alpha alpha as described in the documentary last night he was the alpha alpha because you had a room full of alphas but Jordan 
he became the alpha of that alpha pack. That's saying something. There's some serious talent in that room. And by the way, let's just go ahead and say this now. Charles Barkley, he didn't win a championship. That doesn't take anything away from him. That takes nothing away from him. Because, let's be honest with you, Jordan was a once-in-a-lifetime player. And I think Barkley, he probably could have won a championship or two if Jordan wasn't in the way. And that doesn't take anything away from Barkley because I think Barkley gets forgotten sometimes. I mean, we love him. He's lovable. He's Charles. Things are terrible. You get that. But I think Barkley... I mean, he came to terms with it. Okay, you know, I didn't... I played against Jordan. I lost to Jordan. I'm okay with that. And guess what? A lot of people lost to Jordan. I think that was fascinating. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Check it out if you haven't already. Last Dance, ESPN is probably going to strip run this thing 500 more times. and, And so they should. Because... They've got gold here. This is definitely one of the best nights I saw. And if if you see that kid that's holding the sign, yelling at Chuck, they love this kid. The kid yells, "Don't take it personally, Charles." And I just look at this kid like, "Yeah, that's 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 my guy. That's my guy." All right, we're done for the day. Enjoy the rest of your Star Wars day. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.